Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. And if you'll stand with me, we'll go to Romans chapter number one. And I'd like to read just one verse again this evening. And that will be our beginning verse. Of course, we'll go to several others. Romans chapter number one, if you would. And I'd like to go tonight to verse number 10. Romans chapter 1, verse number 10. Making request, if by any means, now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for yourself. Thank you for the word of God. I pray, Lord, that you'd feed us from it tonight, encourage us, challenge us, convict us, comfort us, whatever is needed in each of our lives as we journey in this life. Folks are at different stages, different times of their life. And uh, Lord, as we speak about this, I pray that, uh, Lord, you'll just uh, give us your presence, give us the power of God and the Holy Spirit, guard my lips and my words and my actions that only would be pleasing to yourself would be said tonight. I thank you for yourself, and I love you, and I ask in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. I want to begin in Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 10, and I want to simply share with you, he's, verse 8, Paul is thankful for them. Thanksgiving is coming up, and Paul often in his uh, writings spoke of being thankful to the church and to the thankful to the believers and he says in verse 8, first, I thank my God. Thankfulness. You know, when you read uh, over, if you flip your, in your Bibles to Romans chapter number 1 and uh, verse number, uh, uh, let's see, he says, I guess down to verse number 27, he's speaking about those who are unrighteous. And he says of them in Romans 1, 27, and for uh, And likewise also men, leaving their natural use of the woman, burn their own lusts one towards another. Men with men, that which is unseemingly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which is meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge and gave them over, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, and fornication, and wickedness, and covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they would commit such things worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them. That's often what started. Those things start with an unthankful heart. So in verse number eight, we find Paul's thankful for them. 
Paul's prayer for them, verse 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayer. So he speaks of his prayer for them and his prayer that he desires that they would pray for himself. And so he prays in verse number 10. He said, I'm making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Would you mark that little phrase? A prosperous journey by the will of God. If I was to say to you tonight and I was to speak to you and I'm going to about the will of God, I'm going to close with three questions for you and I'm going to give them to you now. The three questions or three statements that I will ask you about at the close of the service are these. Number one, will you consider following God's will? Will you consider following God's will? Number two, will you allow for God's will in your life? And number three, will you embrace the will of God for your life? So number one, will you consider it? Will you ask for it? Paul, ask for the will of God. Will you allow for it? And then will you embrace it, the will of God? Now, Paul's speaking here, and he's asking that they, he asked them to pray that he would have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Let's go to Romans chapter number 15, if I could. Romans chapter number 15, and let's go to verse number 22. We're closing out now the book of Romans, and uh, Paul's continuing as we went through the outline this morning. He's now closing the book of Romans. He began it with a prayer, and the prayer was, would you please pray that God will give a prosperous journey by the will of God? Now, in Romans chapter number 15, as Paul's concluding his writing, he says now in verse number 22, Proverbs 15, 22, he said, for which cause I which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now having no more place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. Then in verse number Drop down to verse number 30. Paul says this here still in chapter 15. He said, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers for to God for me. For what? That I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea and that my servants which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted to the saints that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God. He starts the book of Romans by a request. The request is, uh, would you pray that I'll have a prosperous journey by the will of God? He's closing the book of Romans by simply stating to them that I come unto you with joy by the will of God. You know, sometimes when folks read that little phrase, the will of God, it kind of brings to them maybe a, a sense of un, an unreachable, uh, something that is beyond what is available to them. 
Some folks think, I think, the will of God is just for certain people to know what God wants them to do, but that God doesn't have necessarily, and should I be involved in asking God for the will of God uh, for my life? Uh, First Thessalonians chapter two, verse number eight, Paul said, wherefore we would have you come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hath hindered us. He speaks often of this thought of the will of God. Now, when you, as you study through in the, in the Bible, the, the phrase will of God is used 23 times in the Bible. The first time it is mentioned is Mark chapter number two and verse number 35. And it says this, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother, my sister, and my mother. And of course, that was stated by Jesus himself. So the first person who ever used the phrase and is recorded for us in the Bible as a will of God was God, was God himself, was Christ himself, when he simply stated them, whosoever shall do the will of God. So is the will of God necessary? Is the will of God needed? Should we be praying for the will of God? What does the will of God mean? And as we look at this subject, the will of God. Now, when I looked at the 23 verses, I went through and studied all the 23 verses in the New Testament. They're all found there. I found that in the book of Romans, there are four times that this phrase, the will of God, is found. And then I went to uh, 1 Peter, and I found in 1 Peter that the will of God was mentioned four times. And so I want to kind of point them out to you if I could. Let's go back now and start in Romans. And let me give you the four verses that use the phrase, the will of God. If you want to study the will of God, what is the will of God? How do I know the will of God? Uh, is, there, is there an understanding of the will of God? Let's read the verses. Romans 1 and verse 10, making requests by any means. Now at length I might have a prosperous journey. Here, the, here it is in Romans, by the will of God. Now go with me to Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. And uh, let's go to verse number 27. Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 27. This follows a very familiar verse. Verse 26, speaking of the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. And speaking for us, the Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings which we cannot utter. Verse 27, and he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God, to the will of God. Go with me to chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12, very familiar verses, verse number one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse two, he says, be not conformed to this world, but be a transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect, what is it? Will of God. Go to chapter number 15, and we were just there. Chapter 15 and verse 32, this is the fourth time. So we mentioned the first time as we began, and the last time. Paul was praying for the will of God. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 32, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God. So Paul's interested in the will of God. Paul's interested in teaching the will of God. Paul's interested in them praying for the will of God. So as we think about this subject or this thought, what is 
the will of God. Well, we could study all eight of these verses, but that would take us probably more time than we would want to give up tonight. So what I want to do is I want to go to 1 Peter, and I'm going to give you the four places in 1 Peter that the will of God is mentioned. And we're going to look at the will of God mentioned in 1 Peter, but then I want you to think about Paul's request for a prosperous journey by the will of God. Now, when Paul speaks of the will of God in Thessalonica, he says this, for this is the will of God. And so he's very particular. He said to the church at Thessalonica, and that's even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. So you want to know what the will of God is? Number one here, he says that you, uh, uh, that for, for your sanctification and that you abstain from fornication. He also says in 1 Thessalonians, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God. So there are some specific verses that deal with this subject of the will of God. Now let's go now to 1 Peter, and I want to give you the four found in 1 Peter, and then we'll take just a quick glance at the answer to Paul's request. Paul gave requests. Please pray for a prosperous journey by the will of God. Did he get it? Did Paul make Rome? The answer is yes. So was their prayer, was their prayer answered? Well, let's go to 1 Peter, and let me, give you, let me give you these first, and then we'll come back and we'll look at them. There's four of them. 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 15. Here it is. For so is the will of God. So Peter marks it. Here's the will of God. So is the will of God. Go to chapter number 3 and verse number 17. Chapter number 3 and verse number 17. Peter says this, For it is better if the will of God be so. Then look in chapter number 4 and verse number 2. Chapter number 4 and verse number 2 that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Chapter number 4 and verse number 19 is the last time Peter uses it here in First Peter. And he says here, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. Now, knowing to, how to... Uh, look in our Bible and read through our Bible and study our Bible, we identified these eight verses, specifically four in Romans, four in First Peter, that have this subject of the will of God. So if we find these verses that have the subject of the will of God, then the context of each verse will teach me something about the will of God. So if I want eight of them, I could go to the four in Romans and I could look at the context and find four truths found about the will of God. If I want to go to First uh, Peter, I go to First Peter, look at the four of them, and I could add those four, and I'd come up with eight contexts of what the will of God is out of the book of Romans and out of the book of First Peter. But again, I just want to tonight, for sake of time, I want to look only, first of all, from First Peter. Now let's go back to First Peter chapter number Two, and let's look at the first one. And in context, what is Peter saying is the will of God for the believer? 
for the believer. So if you're a believer, what we spoke about this morning, you're a child of God. We have mutual faith. You trust in the same God I trust in. I trust in the same God you trust in. He's the God of, he's the gospel of God. He's the gospel of Christ. He's the gospel of the son in Romans chapter number one. If we believe that, now going to first Peter, let's look at what the will of God is then for our life. First Peter chapter number two and verse number 15, he's very clear. He said, for so is the will of God. So what is it? Here we go. You ready? The first one, context, the will of God, Peter says, is this. He said, so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. In other words, your life and your speech is going to be such that those who are referred to in the, in the Bible here as ignorance of foolish men, they'll be put to silence. In other words, they ha- will have nothing to say because you have lived in the will of God. You are living in such a way that the will of God is so obvious in your life that those who are ignorant and foolish have nothing to say because your life is so much as it ought to be. Now, how is it shown? Look in verse number 15. I want you to mark two words. It's actually a hyphened word. For so is the will of God that with well-doing. In other words, your life and your lifestyle and your words are so well-doing that they are hard to be spoken against. In other words, there's no crack in the armor. There's no wedge There's no slips. There's no uh, break spots. There's no weakness. It's not the weakest link in a person's life. No, a person in the will of God first, he said the will of God should be such that in well-doing, in things which you are doing well with God, there is no way uh, those who are ignorant and foolish have anything even to say. Now he goes on to, to uh, elaborate a little bit. Look at verse 16. Here's what he's going to do. He said, for so is the will of God that with well-doing, how, what's this well-doing look like? As free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, as, but as servants of God. There's one. So this is what it looks like. You want to know what it looks like having a well-doing life that puts men to silence is the will of God. If you're living the will of God, this is the life you are living. You're living as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as, as the servants of God. You will not only do that, you'll honor all men. You'll love the brethrenhood. You'll fear God. You'll honor the king. As a servant, you'll be subject to your masters with all fear. That covers the workplace, not only to the good and to the gentle, but also to the forward. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Now I want you to mark the words in here, suffering, because we're going to come across it here in just a moment. But I want to simply say to you that first of all, the first thing that we see in 1 Peter chapter number 2, a person who lives the will of God is one who can put to silence the foolish and ignorant men simply and wholly because of well-doing in their life. Their life is such that they cannot be looked at that way. 
Let me go to the second one. I hasten my time. Chapter number 3 and verse number 17. Chapter 3 and verse number 17 is the second one. Peter says this, For it is better if the will of God be so. We're going to bring back that word that we got in the chapter 2. Now he says that the will of God includes suffering. So the will of God in well-doing is the right lifestyle and the right speech. Now he says that when the believer suffers correctly, that is the will of God. You know, we're not, um, we as believers are not exempt from the trials and difficulties and sorrows of this life. For a person to ever say, well, if you accept Christ, everything in your life will be perfect. They're lying to you. But if you accept Christ, you'll have no troubles. They're lying to you. You accept Christ, everything is like going to a rose garden. You put on rose glasses, everything goes your way. All the finances go your way. You'll never have physical problems. You'll never have financial problems. You'll never have difficulties. You'll never have sorrow in your family. You'll never have heartache. You'll never have death. You'll never have any of those things. That's not true. What God says here in verse number 17, for it is better... If the will of God be so. So if the will of God includes that you suffer now for what? Well-doing. So if well-doing you put to silence those who are foolish and ignorant men. Secondly, when you live the will of God in such a way that when suffering comes in your life, which it is going to happen, you are going to have physical problems. You are going to have financial problems. You are going to have setbacks. You are going to have sorrow. Now, at death, we're not to sorrow as others, but we're still going to sorrow. We still have, we still live in this body. We still have, we still deal with the things of this flesh. So what does he say? He's talking here about suffering. Go with me back. Hold your finger there. Go to Colossians chapter number one. Colossians chapter number one, Paul addresses this subject to the church in Colossae. And he says in Colossians chapter number, uh, I can find it here. Colossians chapter number one, look at verse 24. Colossians one and verse number 24. It says, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for my body's sake, which is the church. Paul realized this. His suffering had a purpose. His suffering had a purpose. And when he suffered, if he suffered in accordance to the will of God, in well-doing, his testimony would be so great that that's following the will of God. Going back to 1 Peter, going back to 1 Peter chapter number 3, we'll go to verse number 17, and let's read just a, uh, just a little bit further in this one. So he says in verse 17, For it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Now mark the phrase, suffer for well-doing. 
doing. Now remember, what did Paul pray for? And what did he ask them to pray for? He asked them to pray for the will of God that he would come unto them. That's part of it. But he prayed, the Bible said in Romans 1.10, for a prosperous journey. I'm going to ask you a question. How did Paul get to Rome? If you study chapters 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, he gets there in 28 of Acts, but the definition of prosper would probably be different than our definition of prosper. Because he went as a prisoner. He went and stood before the kings. He was bound. He was, he was before that, led down with a basket. He was stoned and left for dead. All of those things were the will of God. And so the will of God included suffering. And the will of God in your life and mine will include suffering. And what has to happen is we have to be well-doing in suffering. In other words, we have to respond correctly. Now he goes on to say in verse number 18, same chapter, we're still in chapter number three, for it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long sufferings of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few there be eight souls which are saved by water. The like figure, whereunto even baptism does now uh, now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answering of the good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Let me ask you a question. How did Christ suffer? Well, so as a believer, I learn, need to learn to suffer well, pleasing unto God, a proper testimony through suffering. Go to the third one. Go with me, if you would, to chapter number four. Second Peter, chapter number four. And let's go to the third one. Now, how do I do that? That sounds it sounds like, okay, in well-doing, I've got I've to I've be, my speech and my life has to be such. Now, when I'm put into a position that I'm going to suffer, and that's the will of God, how do I respond suffer? I suffer well. It's a good testimony. Now, how do I do that? It seems beyond our control. Go to 1 Peter chapter number 4. And let's look at the context. Verse 1 says, For as much then as Christ suffered for us in the flesh, mark the next phrase, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Arm yourself likewise with the same mind. When does a person arm themselves? 
when they have fear that they're going to have need to use that which they arm themselves with. So as a believer, if I will just come to the conclusion that I've got to live such a life, my speech has got to be such, my living has to be such, and my suffering has to be such, then the only way I can do that is prepare myself. And I've got to prepare myself for the will of God. I've got to be prepared for the will of God in my life. So he goes on to say, arm yourselves with the same mind. With what mind? The mind of suffering. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, here it is, but to the will of God. If you're going to say, I'm willing to live the will of God, then you better be prepared. You better arm yourself because you're going to need it. And what you have to arm yourself with is the mind of God. You have, to, you have to arm yourself with the mind of the Lord. Now, How does one do that? Obviously, there are multiple ways. Go with me back to Romans. Let me show it to you through the book of Romans. How do we arm ourselves for the will of God? How do we prepare ourselves for the will of God? I'm going to give you several verses. We'll just jump through the book of Romans quickly. Go to Romans chapter number 6. Here's one, verse number 11. I'm going to arm myself for this battle. I'm going to arm my mind. And look what he says in Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Did you ever stop to think what happened when God left the portals of glory to come here? Did he know what he was coming to do? The answer is yes. He prepared himself to accomplish the will of the Father. May I suggest to you, when God reveals his will to you and I, we've got to arm ourselves like he did. One of the ways, here he says, likewise reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Go to chapter 7. Let me give you another one, verse 6. Here's another thing to do. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So how do we arm ourselves? We arm ourselves in verse number six here that we should serve in the newness of the spirit. Look in chapter seven, verse 25. He said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind... With the mind, I myself serve the law of God. So I work on my mind. The book of Philippians deals with the mind. You know, study the book of Philippians, four chapters, they all deal with the mind. A single mind, a, a submissive mind, a spiritual mind, and a secure mind. You can make your way through the book of Philippians and look at each of those it all has to do with the mind. Go to Romans chapter number 8 and verse 27. 
8 and verse 27. I'm arming myself. What do I need to arm myself with? Verse 27. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Of course, that's the Holy Spirit knowing what the mind of the Spirit is. Go to chapter 12. Go to chapter 12 and go to verse number uh, 16. Chapter 12 and verse number 16. Be of the same mind, one towards another. You see, I've got to arm my, I've got to arm my mind. Do you ever say to yourself, I just, give me a minute, I just got to, I got to collect my thoughts. Just, just give me a minute, I need to prepare before I go into this meeting. Just, just give me a second. I, I, I've got to speak to that person, and I've just got to make sure that my mind's clear. Going back to second, going back to First Peter, First Peter says there that we have to mind, we have to arm ourselves with the same mind, the mind of God. And then let's go to chapter four and verse nineteen, and we find our last one. We find our last one. What, my, what, what is it now? He says in verse 19, Wherefore, let them that suffer, because remember, that's part of it. So with well-doing, I live the life. Well-doing in my suffering. Well-doing because I mind my, I'm armed with the mind of God. Now the fourth one, wherefore, let them that suffer According to the will of God. That was Paul. Paul suffered according to the will of God. You say, I don't know if I believe that. Paul was shipwrecked. If I remember right, I think it's the 27th chapter, 26th chapter of the book of Acts. That because of that shipwreck, Paul had the opportunity to testify that he had been with God, and that God would, God said, there not would be a certain, there would not be a single person harmed. And if I remember right, there's 276 who were aboard that ship. So what happened? Paul suffered shipwreck. But who was glorified? God was. God was. God was seen greater because of the suffering and because of the shipwreck the Apostle Paul went through. So Paul suffered through some things and he suffered in them well. And because he suffered in them well, gives us a great example of the will of God. Now going back to 419, let's look at the fourth one, the last one. So in well-doing, I silence. In well-doing, I suffer well. Arming myself, I, I am stayed on him. And the last one, wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God, would you mark one word, commit. Commit. I mark that word because of this reason. Once you get into the will of God, and once you surrender to the will of God, and once you live in the will of God, don't get out of it. Don't get out of it. And the only way not to get out of the will of God is to commit. Is be committed to following God's will. 
In Paul's life, there had to be places to get off. In Peter's walk with God, there had to be places to get off. In your life and mine, as I walk the will of God and be willing to walk the will of God, there's places when I get against certain situations. Sometimes if I'm not careful, there's just ways out. And sometimes I can even make them look honorable. But I can't. Because I've got to be committed to the will of God. Paul said, would you pray for me to have a prosperous journey? Somewhere along the way, Paul had to realize, maybe what I prayed for under the terms of prosperous were not from the perspective of me, but of the perspective of God. Because it's prosperous for you to suffer if God's glorified through your suffering. And somebody sees God greater in your life because you're going through a trial and difficulty, then who is seeing greater? That is, could very well be the perfect will of God. And so what has to happen? You have to be committed. So he says, wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit. Now watch what he's going to commit. Commit the keeping of their souls to him. Here's that phrase again. In well-doing. Three out of the four context of the will of God had to do with well-doing. Had to do with well-doing. Well-doing in our walk, in our speech. Well-doing in, uh, even in the midst of suffering. Well-doing in the area of being armed and then well-doing in the area of being committed. So I ask you, will you consider the will of God? I ask you, will you allow God's will in your life? And lastly, will you embrace it? Embrace it. Want it, long for it, ask others to pray for it, desire it. You want the will of God. But I don't know that I want the suffering that comes with it. That's part of it. I don't know if I want to take a stand against my friends or take a stand at work. That's part of it. I don't know if I want to take the ridicule from a family member. That might be part of it. But you're going to have to be committed. Are you willing to commit yourself to the will of God? Paul asked others to pray for him for the will of God. That showed me Paul had already committed to the point he wanted others to help him pray for his own commitment. Let's pray. My Father in heaven, what lies ahead for any individual we do not know. Our minds are not capable of thinking about the future other than what we want for we don't know what lies ahead. We don't know what could be in the next car ride, the next visit out of town, the next night's sleep. We don't know what lies ahead, 
But because you're God, you not only know the past, as we can think of the past, but you know the future. And so as we surrender ourselves and submit ourselves to the will of God, it's what does the future hold? What do you have? Paul said, I'm coming to Rome. I want to come to Rome. I desire to be in Rome. When I go to Spain, I'm going to come by, I'm going to come to Rome. Will you pray that I have a prosperous journey by the will of God? And the will of God was for Paul to be at Rome. But it was a bumpy road. It was a challenging road. It was a difficult road. But it didn't take away from it being the will of God. And so in our lives, let us not think that being in the will of God means no difficulties, no sorrows, no heartaches, no pain. But Lord, help us to be committed and help our lives to be such that others see Christ in us to the point that it puts them to silence and that we learn to suffer well and we stay committed to the perfect will of God. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Richard said, you're praying for the next pastor. You're praying for the will of God. Okay, what's it mean? What are you praying for? Praying for what you want or what God wants? Your desire or God's desire? Your choice or God's choice? Your way or God's way? We just got to learn the will of God needs some things in our life that got to be what they need to be. So I simply ask you tonight as we close, do you want it? Are you committed to it? Will you embrace it? You got to do it in well-doing. As you pray, just seek the Lord on you for yourself. Ask him what he has for the will of God for you. You ask him what the will of God for your family. You ask him what the will of God for your church. You pray for the will of God. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.